Dragnet. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. We offer you Escape. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. The Jack Benny Program. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. Countdown for blast off. X minus one. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari. Welcome to Episode 2 of Retro Radio Theater, featuring a full hour of programming from the golden age of radio. Follow us wherever you listen to podcasts or visit us on SeniorResource.com, your number one source for retirement planning, caregiving tips, and living your best. This time, it's two Western radio episodes, Gunsmoke with William Conrad and Have Gun Will Travel with John Daner. Stick around. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. There were many Western radio shows during the Golden Age, but most were aimed at a juvenile audience. The Lone Ranger, Hopalong Cassidy, The Roy Rogers Show, Gene Autry's Melody Ranch, Wild Bill Hickok, and others. It wasn't until radio dramas were making way for television that the idea of a Western series strictly for adult audiences was conceived. CBS was investing in a newer and more promising visual medium, and the fortuitous cancellation of another program created an opening for Gunsmoke, a Western series unlike any before it. Developed by Norman MacDonald, the writing for Gunsmoke was high quality, the sound effects top-notch, and there was no shortage of violence and bloodshed. As events unfolded, the ever-watchful Marshal Matt Dillon of Dodge City, Kansas, carried out the duties his shiny badge demanded. Within a year, several radio programs tried to emulate Gunsmoke's production values, but none came close. In 1955, the program made the transition to television with James Arness starring in the role William Conrad had made his own on radio. The video version featured all the characters we came to know and love from the radio series, but with a totally new cast. Gunsmoke would ultimately make television history by becoming the longest-running U.S.-made Western series. In this episode, Matt is forced to shoot his old friend. Here's the roundup, starring William Conrad as U.S. Marshal Matt Dillon on Gunsmoke from February 14, 1953. 
around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Is he heavy, Matt? Somehow it was easier carrying him up to your office and back down, Doc. Where are you going to put me, Mr. Dillon? Yeah, well, on the couch here, I guess. You'll be all right there, Chester? Oh, yes, sir. This will be fine. Good. I'm sure sorry I'm so much trouble. Chester, next time, try to land on just one foot. Even if you break a leg? I know. A man's in a terrible fix when he sprains both ankles. Mm, He sure is, Doc. I don't know what I'm going to do. I know what you're going to do. You're going to stay right there on that couch, and you're going to sleep there, too. Maybe Doc and I'll bring you in something to eat every day or two. Oh, no. It's better than you deserve. I know. I've been saying over and over to myself, Chester, you fool, you. Well... The wages of sin, Chester. <laughs> you were lucky to get off as easy as you did. The way I heard it. Uh, come on, Chester. Tell us what really happened. Huh? <laughs> but I did tell you. I was a looking out this second-story window, admiring the view, so to speak. <laughs> and the next thing I knew, I fell. That's all right onto the street. He didn't say whose window, Chester. In Texas, Doctor, a gentleman don't mention such things. You ain't in Texas, well, sometimes we should never laugh. <laughs> like now? Yes, like now. <laughs> Many a reputation's been ruined by just such loose talk that you're making, Doc. Never mind, Doc Chester. He's jealous, that's all. Oh, jealous of putting tracks in a man's yard? <laughs> Not me. Not by a long side. Why, no, sir. Oh. Good morning, Marshal. Well, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. What can I do for you, gentlemen? Well, there's Chester. <laughs> Heard about you, Chester. I heard. Never that you... mind what you heard, Torp. Chester just got thrown from a horse, that's all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. What is it you want here, gentlemen? Yeah. All right, you tell him, Summers. Well, Marshal, it's about tomorrow night. Oh? So, what about tomorrow night? Well, you know, it's the roundup. The sales season's over. There'll be a thousand cowboys celebrating in Dodge. Well, they always do at the end of the season. What about it? Well, there's going to be more of them this year, and there'll be a lot of homesteaders in town, too. It's going to be worse than ever. Well, I expect that. There could be a lot of trouble, Marshal. <laughs> yeah, there could be, Summers. Just what is it you want? Well, we've talked it over, and uh, we want you to get a lot of good, tough men together, maybe about uh, 20 of them, and deputize them. That way, there won't be any trouble. Yeah. That's what you want, is it? Yes, we do. 
Look, Summers, my job's to keep the peace around here, and I'm going to do it, but I'll do it in my own way. Oh, I know, Marshal, Now, you but... turn 20 deputies loose in that crowd looking for trouble, and they're going to find it. As soon as the wild ones heard about it, they'd bunch up and shoot it out with every one of them. Why, it'd turn into the worst slaughter dodge ever seen. I think that's about the most fool idea I ever heard of. Yeah, no reason for you to talk like that, Marshal. I think it's a good idea. I sure don't want my place wrecked just because you're mule-headed. You're a gambler, Torp. So? So you can take your chances along with everybody else. Now, if you don't want that, then close your place up tomorrow night. What, lose all that Texas money? <laughs> That's not likely. Now, we're not all gamblers, Marshal. They can wreck my dry goods store just as fast as a gambling house once they get started. And it's up to you. That's right. It is up to me. And we're going to leave it that way. Then uh, you won't do anything. I'll do everything I can. I don't know, Marshal. Look, Summers, I know you've got your doubts about me. That's natural. Some people think I'm too lax with Front Street. Some think I'm too severe. But that's the way of it in any town. If a peace officer does his job well, he pleases nobody. Marshal, we didn't come here for a lecture. What did you come for, Torp? Maybe you had in mind to help me pick out those deputies. Is that it? A matter of fact, I could, Marshal. Yeah, sure, sure. In a couple of hours, yours would be the only tables open for play. No, that's not what it's I... It's been had. done before, Torp. Is that too, Torp? Well, you're not going to take his word for anything, are you? I don't know. But anyway, he won't listen to us, so it's his responsibility. Come on, men, let's get out of here. I hope you can handle it, Marshal. Goodbye, gentlemen. That torp is no good. He is just plain no good, Mr. Dillon. Well, now, I know one man that got skinned at his place, and torp gave him back $20 so as he wouldn't be broke. Huh? Just how much did this man lose, Doc? Oh, five, six hundred, they said. And then he... Uh... Oh, yeah, I see what you mean, man. I'm sure not going to be much good to you tomorrow night, Mr. Dillon. Uh, you can watch the jail right here, Chester. I know, but you just got to get somebody to help you out on the street. At least one man, anyway. You can't be everywhere at once. Yeah, but tomorrow night, Dodge will be overrun with trail boys and homesteaders. All looking for satisfaction. Now, I wouldn't ask any man to face that. I know a few fellas who'd do it, and so do you, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, maybe. But I wouldn't ask anybody. How many were killed last year, man? I don't remember, Doc. Well, I do. Six, that's what. We buried them all in the saddle blankets. All except one. I remember he didn't even own a blanket. <laughs> well, then he was sure out of luck all the way around, wasn't he? Come on, Doc. Let's go get some dinner. Huh? All right. We'll bring you a piece of bread, Chester. Maybe. I want a steak. Rare. <laughs> How come you're so hungry, Chester? Were you in such a hurry to get over there last night you didn't take time for supper? Mr. Dillon, I will answer no more questions about last night, and that is final. <laughs> well, we'll bring you something. Yeah, I don't know if we should, though, Matt. A man can think about his sins better on an empty stomach. Close the door, will you? <laughs> <laughs> The next morning, I had Mr. Hightower print up some signs for me with a few rules that I made up for the roundup. They were fair and reasonable, and I hoped they'd be accepted without question. The principal restrictions were that there was to be no shooting and no reckless riding in the streets. 
That afternoon, I went from saloon to saloon and left a sign at each one. The Texas Trail was my last stop. And there, I sat down with Kitty for a short beer. Town's beginning to fill up, Matt. Yeah, it'll be swamped to the dashboard by dark. You, um, expect trouble tonight? <laughs> I always expect trouble, Kitty. Yeah, I know. Matt, I heard something. Yeah? I heard Torp and a few of his men cut cards last night. So? I don't know who it came out for, but low man is supposed to kill you. Oh. When? Tonight, I suppose. Why is Torp after you, Matt? Uh, Torp says he wants an open town, Kitty. But what he's really after is somebody who'll close down every game but his. Who's this, Matt? What? Rough-looking traveler headed this way. What? What? Well, I'll be. Why, it's Zell Matlock. Matt Zell! You old badger. How are you? <laughs> Zell, it's been a long time. Hey, a long time. Man. Here, come on over here. Sit down. Sure. Uh, I'd like for you to meet Kitty. Kitty, this is Zell Matlock. This is Kitty. Glad to know you, ma'am. <laughs> Just rode into Dodge an hour ago. Yeah, it's your first time in a Zell. Hey, would you like a beer, huh? Don't mind. Good. I uh, aimed to get drunk tonight, but before I got started, I thought I'd look up their peace officer and shoot him. I'd be sure to tangle with him before the night's out. I always figure it's safer to do it sober, so... <laughs> he, he half means that, kid. So I asked around and found out the man's name is Matt Dillon, the United States Marshal. I've seen it all now. Well, I hope you're not disappointed. I'll, so. I'll tell you, Miss Kitty, I knew Matt Dillon before he got civilized. Why, we had to tie his leg up to give him a haircut when he came to town. <laughs> Don't you yeah. believe a word that he says, Kitty. Yeah, the wilder the coat, the better the horse, Matt. Mm -hmm. Well, you was all right. The only trouble with you was that fool honest streak you always had. <laughs> Are you rich now, Zell? Ah, nobody's rich on the Mexican border. Land of sunshine and pin of beans. I hired out to a general over in Chihuahua three years ago. I lost 20 pounds and was lucky to get back at all. Well, haven't you learned to stay out of Mexico yet? No, I met the man he wanted me to shoot and turned out to be a better fellow than the general. So I told him I'd been hired to kill him and then rode for the border. The general lost three soldiers who tried to stop me from swimming the Rio Bravo. <laughs> uh, you must be pretty handy with a gun, Zell. Yeah, just fair, ma'am. But when I take my gun out, I go right ahead and use it. Some people stop and think for half a second. Uh, there's a roundup in Dodge tonight. Matt's handling it alone. Kitty, what the Yeah, no, no, hold it, hold it, man. I heard about it. I heard all about it, and that's why I'm here. To say hello and uh, sign on for a night's pleasure. Give me a star, Matt. I've killed on the side of the law before. <laughs> I don't believe that, and anyway, I, I don't want any killings here. No, I was joshing you, Matt. I know what you want. It's true. I was sheriff in Tascosa for six months. You what? Yeah, it's in the record. Well, they caught up with me there, but I'd already done such a good job taming the place that the governor pardoned me. <laughs> I won't kill anybody tonight that don't need killing. All right, all right. I believe you, so. But, uh... I won't ask any man to come in when it's as rough as this roundup may be. Well, you didn't ask me. Any other objection? Well, uh, the men don't know you around here, Zell. 
No telling how they'd take to a stranger. First night I ran to Ascosa, nobody knew me either. I'm not green at this business. Yeah, but man. it's my job. Why should you get mixed up in it? <clears throat> well, I... I also heard somebody's planning a party for you tonight. You did, huh? I've owed you something for a long time, Matt. Oh, that's got nothing to do with it. Oh, it has. You got no right not let me pay it back a little. Now there's a chance to. (laughs) Yeah, you're just as crazy as you ever were. (laughs) That's better. Well, come on, let's go find me a badge before it gets dark. Sure, nice to have met you, Miss Kitty. Well, good luck, Zell. I'll see you later, Matt. Yeah, sure. So long, Kitty. You sure have been a long time coming to Dodge, Mr. Matlock. What do you mean, Chester? Well, I've heard Mr. Dillon mention you a lot, but the way he talked, I wasn't never sure you were still alive. <laughs> oh, well, I was never sure either, Chester. You know, Zell isn't the most cautious man I ever knew. You think being a U.S. Marshal isn't asking for an early grave, Matt? Oh, maybe. But at least it's a way to do some good before you die, whether folks think so or not. Oh, men like Torp, that's all. Oh, no, Chester, even good men have got a strange twist that makes them suspect any man paid to handle the bad element. Hey, you just can't help thinking that some of its dirt is rubbed off on him. You know, I never thought about that before, Matt. Sure, how it was in Tascosa. They wanted me there, all right, but they wanted me to uh, keep my distance, too. It makes a man kind of lonely. Yeah. They just don't know what's good for them, that's all. Yeah. Instead of a real lawman, they'd rather hire some killer with a lot of notches carved <laughs> on his gun. Well, there are plenty of them around. You sure are. Bragging kind. I never did like a man who has to notch his gun to keep his courage up. Yeah. My goodness. Look yonder. Mm-hmm. The street's about full already and it isn't even dark yet. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, give yeah. me a hand here, will you? We'll move Chester's couch away from the window oh, then. All right. There, that should do it. Yeah, you'll be safer here, Chester, in case somebody gets it in mind to shoot up the jail. Thank you, Mr. Dillon. I can watch both doors from here. Uh, just hand me my gun belt, if you will. Oh, yeah. There you are. Well, come on, Sal. Uh, Chester, I'll get somebody at the Dodge House to fetch up some supper, huh? Thank you, sir. And, and good luck, both of you. So long, Chester. I see you, Chester. Well, how'll we work it, Matt? Uh, I tell you, Sal, you take this uh, side of the street. Uh, I'm going up to the Dodge House, and then I'll be on the other side somewhere. All right. Oh, say, you mind if I go back later and get that Spencer carbine of yours? Make a mighty handy club if I don't have to use it any other way. <laughs> sure, sure, Sal. Who they got there? That fella on their shoulders. Oh, that's Mr. Hightower. He runs the printing press here. Shall, shall we stop it? Oh, no, no. They're just carrying him into the Longhorn to make him stand some drinks. Oh. They like Hightower. They won't hurt him. Well, I guess that sort of officially opens this here roundup, huh? Yeah, I guess it does. Well, I'll leave you here, Zell. Yeah, sure. Sure, man. And, uh, Zell, I, uh... I want to thank you for what you're doing tonight. I ain't done nothing yet, but I'll do plenty if someone shoots you in the back. (laughs) I can promise that. Well, I'll see you later. Sure, Matt. (laughs) 
we will return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, Sunday nights, you are cordially invited to escape via CBS Radio. Yes, every weekend for drama that will take you right out of this world, listen for Escape at the star's address. Also, tomorrow evening, CBS Radio brings you Lionel Barrymore on your Sunday night playhouse. Now, for the second act of Gunsmoke. When I came out of the Dodge house, Front Street was so full that if anybody had been shot, the crowd would have carried him along like one of the living. I had a feeling that the word was out about Torp and his bunch cutting cards to see who would make a try for me, and that the crowd knew it and was waiting for it. I stood for a while with my back against Summer's dry goods store, and then I left the street and cut down an alley thinking to change my position with as much irregularity as possible. I was passing the back door of the Texas Trail when I heard the first shot of the night. I entered the saloon from the rear and made my way into the crowd. It's all right, Marshal. There's no fight. It's not all right, Sam. I made a rule that there'd be no shooting for any reason. All right. Who fired that shot? Oh, it's outside. Nobody. It was Torque, Marshal. He, he just took a shot at the moon, that's all. Yeah. All right, Torp. Put the gun away and come over here. I'm bothering nobody, Marshal, excepting maybe you. Stand back, everybody. I said that's enough, Torp. No, it ain't, Dylan. This time I got the jump on you. You ain't pushing me no more. Torp's bullet just grazed my arm. Then I put one in his head and another in his chest. And at the same time, out of the corner of my eye, I saw a figure with a gun in each hand move out of the shadow of the alley and turn toward me on the boardwalk. And without really looking, I dropped him with one shot. And then I faced the crowd and waited for the next move. But for some reason, none came. Marshal? Yes, Summers. That uh, man you just shot, Marshal. Torp got what he deserved. Yes, I know. It's the other one that I... So did he. Marshal, you'd better go take a look at that man. He's dying. Who is he? I don't know him, Marshal. But you do. What? He's wearing a star. No. No. Oh, Zell. Zell. Man. I think that did it. No, Zell. No. It's my fault. I crossed the street a while back. Left the carbine with Chester. It's no fault of yours. Matt? Man, oh, oh, there you are. Oh, Matt. Uh, how, how is he? Oh. Oh, goodness. No use, Doc. Thanks. Zell, I... I just... Now, listen. Listen to me, Matt. You did right. The only thing you could do. It was my fault. I 
shouldn't have crossed over and come up behind you. Anyway, mad I ain't been living on my own time ever since that day you pulled me out of the mob in Almogordo. I never thanked you for that. I guess I never will now. Matt? So long. I'll find someone to carry him over to your office, Matt. No. I'll carry him. Dylan, what happened? I heard the shooting. Put a blanket on the floor there, Doc. Yeah, sure. Yeah, spread it. All right. Here. He's dead, Chester. Well, who shot him, sir? I shot him, Chester. I didn't know it was him. I'm sorry, Mr. Dillon. It sounds like they're going to hoorah the town after all, Matt. Sure does. No. No, they're not. It's going to be kind of hard to stop now, isn't it, Matt? Maybe. You taking a shotgun, Mr. Dillon? Matt, why don't you just let them fight each other? What are you going to do? I'm going to close Front Street. You're going to close... Oh, no, the party's over in Dodge. Mr. Dillon, you can't do that. There'll be trouble if I don't. The mob's tasted blood now. They'll shoot you sure as I'm laying here. Will they? All right, I can't stop you, but I sure do wish I could go with you. Yeah, Matt, I'll go. Maybe if they see me, they won't be so quick. Thanks, but this isn't your job, either one of you, but thanks. Sam? Yeah, Marshal? Close up and turn out your lights. What? You heard me! Now listen to me! Broad Street's closed! Now get out of here and go home, all of you! My home is in Texas, mister. If you ever had one. I ain't going home tonight. Not tonight, I ain't. Don't interfere, fella. You got no chips in this deal. I could buy in, mister. <laughs> Now I'll use this shotgun for what it was meant on the next man. Well? All right, Sam, close it up. Yes, sir. Jack? Jack! The street's closed. Put out your lights. Huh? You heard me. Lock the place up. I know. I ain't gonna do it. Now, don't tell me what you're gonna do. All right, boys. We're closing up. What do you mean, Mr. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
That took care of the Texas Trail and the Longhorn. And I moved on through the Oasis and the Olifraganza. And under the smaller bars that infested the outskirts of town. When I came back up Front Street, the crowd had thinned. Its fever broken. I'd left Torp's place for the last. Thinking to give his men a chance to get out of town before they faced me. It was a gambling hall on the same side of the street as the jail. And when I reached it and entered, there weren't more than a dozen men there. And most of them stepped quietly past me out into the street. What was left didn't seem to count for much. Looking for somebody, Marshal? You a friend of Torp's? Well, yes, I was. Why? Who else here worked for Torp? Everyone's gone, Marshal. They heard you were all riled up and they left. Then you're alone. And still in bad company. I wouldn't ordinarily take that. Well, go ahead, mister. You're calling it. No. Not now. What's stopping you? No, if it's the shotgun... Now, does that make it easier for you? I haven't been looking for you, Marshal. You were in on the cut, weren't you? Torp's dead, Marshal. Isn't that enough? Torp! Mister, one of the best men I ever knew died tonight. And I killed him. I'm not a gunman, Marshal. You wouldn't be proud killing me. What does a man like you know about pride? Now, you get out of Dodge and you get out fast. But I don't... You want to die in this place right now? No, I'm leaving. All right, hurry. The rest of the night, I walked the dark, empty street alone. And just before dawn, I got a spring wagon and loaded Zell onto it. A couple of hours later, I buried him out to the Arkansas in a little grove of cottonwoods. Maybe I should have put a marker on his grave. But I didn't. What I did instead, I did partly out of scorn for the kind of men Zell said have to notch their guns to keep their courage up. And partly as a kind of a cross that I'd bear from now on. So instead of a marker on his grave, I took out my gun. And I cut a single notch on it. Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were John Daner and Harry Bartell, with Lawrence Dobkin, Lou Krugman, and James Nusser. Parley Bear is Chester, Howard McNear is Doc, and Georgia Ellis is Kitty. Gunsmoke is heard by our troops overseas through the facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke.
Listen to CBS Radio for Spring Byington as December Bride. And say, after you hear December Bride tomorrow night, listen for the important announcement about its new night and time on CBS Radio. This is Roy Rowan speaking. And remember, Amos and Andy are here every Sunday on the CBS Radio Network. And that's the Roundup on Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad from February 14, 1953. Also in the cast, Parley Bear, Howard McNair, Georgia Ellis, John Daner, Lou Krugman, and Harry Bartell, as heard over CBS. We have more than 100,000 classic radio episodes under license from the owners and estates and are provided the master recordings. Through special arrangement with the rights holders, these radio episodes are heard on this podcast and sent to members of the Classic Radio Club. Support this podcast by joining the Classic Radio Club, where you'll receive 10 superior-sounding classic radio shows sent to you each month via digital download or on five CDs, along with historical liner notes. You'll receive your first 10 classic radio shows for only $1, and you can cancel at any time. To learn more about joining the Classic Radio Club, log on to ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. That's 815-900-7535. I'll have a Western episode of Have Gun, Will Travel with John Daner for you after this short break. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, Sam Spade, Burns and Allen, Have Gun, Will Travel, Gangbusters, and Sherlock Holmes, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Carl Amari and I co host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. Have Gun, Will Travel, Follow the Adventures of Paladin, a soldier of fortune turned hired gunfighter, played by John Daner. Paladin preferred to settle problems without violence, yet when forced to fight, excelled. He lived at the swanky Carlton Hotel in San Francisco, where he dressed in formal wear, ate gourmet food, attended the opera, and enjoyed the company of beautiful women. When working as a gun for hire, he dressed in all black used calling cards, and wore a holster decorated by a characteristic chest knight emblem. The knight symbol was in reference to his name and his occupation as a champion for hire. One of radio's best-loved westerns, Have Gun, Will Travel, lasted on radio until 1960 and was televised from 1957 through 1963. 
In this episode, Paladin accompanies a couple to Silver City to protect them from attempts against their lives. Here's The Wager, starring John Daner as Paladin on Have Gun Will Travel from July 26, 1959. You forced me to wager my life against a thousand dollars. Now you can wager yours against 30 miles of desert with a companion who hates you and half a canteen of water. Have gun, will travel. Starring Mr. John Daner as Paladin. San Francisco, 1875. The Carlton Hotel. Headquarters of a man called Paladin. Oh, uh, Mr. Paladin, this gentleman, Mr. Morgan, look for you. Mr. Morgan, how are you? Hello there. I was looking for you in the lobby, and I asked the boy here where I might find you. Oh, I tell you, Mr. Paladin often take a place of concealment behind Potty Palm with a chessboard. Yes, I hope I'm not interrupting. Oh, no, not at all. You bring two brandies, please, hey boy. Oh, yes, sir. Sit down, Mr. Morgan. Thank you. So, what can I do for you? Well, I'm leaving for Silver City early tomorrow morning with my fiance. You could see to it that I get there alive. Well... Uh, there's uh, no need to go into all the details of the background, but the situation, basically, is that uh, my railroad holdings are considerable. A man named Danbury and his syndicate are determined to buy me out, and I don't want to sell. It seems to me that's your privilege. Yes, but Danbury's the kind of man who gets what he wants, one way or another. There have been attempts on my life recently. Mr. Danbury has peculiar business methods. I have narrowly escaped a bullet on three different occasions, Paladin. The latest this morning. Three misses isn't a very good average. Perhaps they're just trying to frighten you into selling. That's what I thought the first two times, but not now. Uh, Will you accompany us to Silver City, Mr. Paladin? I'll pay whatever you ask. I'll be ready to leave at sunup. Everywhere you go, across the country trip or across the street party, you carry the fun with you when you own a Columbia Stereophonic High Fidelity Phonograph. There's a marvelous selection of seven new portable models in smart new color combinations at your Columbia Phonograph dealer from which you may choose. Each one is a masterpiece of design and beauty. More quality, more features, and more styling have been built into these sturdy portables than ever before. How much fun you'll have enjoying all the wonderful new sound of stereo records. Regular records take on new beauty, too, when played on handsome Columbia portables. You'll be amazed at the big console sound that is reproduced by Columbia portable stereophonic high-fidelity phonographs. You'll thrill to the excitement of Stereo One by Columbia, number one in the wonderful world of sound. And Columbia portables are economical, too. Prices start as low as $24.95. See them and hear them at your Columbia Phonograph dealer. 
Silver City was a two-day ride through a hot, dry stretch of desert. Morgan drove a buckboard with Stacy Neal, his fiancée, on the seat beside him. I rode alongside, trying to keep out of the dust that boiled up. There wasn't much chance that an attempt would be made on his life out here. Nothing moved. Even the lizards had taken cover from the heat. Morgan! Yeah? Those willows off to the left will stop for water. All right. Oh, can I give you a hand, Miss Neal? Oh, thank you. It's not much of a spring, is it? No, but it's the last water between here and Rough and Ready. Rough and Ready? There's the next town. <laughs> we'll stay there tonight and go on to Silver City in the morning. Oh, that spring looks good to me. You know, men come to the desert in search of gold. <laughs> Maybe this is the real treasure out here. Water. I think the desert presents a challenge to come out and fight it. I could beat it, I'd wager. Darling, aren't you happy there's no one here to call that particular bet? <laughs> I think we'd better get moving. Why, what's the hurry? Look behind. Huh? The rider on that far rise. How long has he been there? I noticed him just after we stopped. I suppose he's been following us? Maybe. Chances are he's just another traveler heading for this spring. I don't like it. Well, the town's straight ahead. After the horses are watered, the canteens are filled, you go on. What are you going to do? Double back. Do a little checking. I backtracked for some distance, then stopped by a sandstone bluff to wait for the man riding down the trail toward me. When he drew alongside, he reined in. Something I can do for you? Yeah. Just give me a little information, like uh, who you are, where you're headed, and why. That's a lot of information to give out to a stranger. My name is Paladin. You're still a stranger to me. But I don't mind telling you I'm Howard Gorman. I've heard of you and your gun. Well, now. Twelve men, isn't it? Yet. Uh-huh. Come to think of it, maybe it's about time I started thinking about adding that lucky 13th. Oh? There's something about nosy people. I got the idea that maybe you were following us. Why'd I want to follow you? I'm not sure. But it's my business to find out. That's fine. I'd like to know you're tending to your business. But just stay out of mind. There's something about nosy people gets me riled. Yeah. Rough and Ready was the only town within a good many miles. And it boasted just one hotel. So I wasn't too surprised to find Gorman in the dining room when we went in to dinner. He was sitting at a corner table, deep in conversation with a well-dressed man. He keeps looking over here. Now, uh, that's the man who was following us? Yes. Name's Howard Gorman. Oh. He certainly looks as if he knows how to handle those guns he's wearing. He does. He has quite a reputation as a gunner. Well, Danbury hired him, I'm sure of it. Say, Morgan, do you know the man with him? No, never seen him before. Paladin, he's coming over here. Paladin? Stand up. 
Morgan, take Miss Neal and get out of the way. Well, I... Do as I say. Come on, Stacy. Paladin? You're making a mistake, Gorman. You going to stand up? I'd rather finish my dinner. It's finished. Uh, you shouldn't do that to good food. Well? We'll have it your way. I told you I'd killed 12 men, remember? Well, this is number 13. <laughs> Winston tastes good like a cigarette should because... There's filter blend up front, up front ahead of the filter. And the flavor you get in a Winston cigarette comes from filter blend. Filter blend means fine tobacco, filter blend up front. And the flavor you get in a Winston cigarette comes from filter blend. Filter blend is a mighty good reason for you to smoke Winston. Because it means tobacco's specially processed for filter smoking. A Winston secret. You get Winston's own pure white modern filter, plus the rich, delightful flavor of fine tobacco. There's filter blend up front, up front ahead of the filter. And the fun you get in a Winston cigarette comes from filter blend. And makes Winston taste good like a cigarette should. Winston tastes good like a cigarette should. I had been forced to kill a man, and I wasn't sure why. It was a fair fight. Gorman drew first. But somehow it didn't make any sense, and I didn't like it. Later, I went to the bar and ordered a bottle and a glass. Uh, Paladin. Oh, Morgan. Drink? Oh, no, no, thanks. Paladin, I think we should discuss a little business. What are you going uh, to do, dear? Talk him out of his fee to cover your loss? Stacy. Now, uh, Paladin, here is your pay in this envelope. Well, you're very generous, Mr. Morgan, but I haven't finished the job. How's that? Well, our arrangement was for Silver City. Oh, oh, well, it doesn't matter now. It's, uh, it, it's ended. I don't understand. Uh, Gorman is dead. That, that is, there's no danger now. Morgan, if it had been Gorman shooting at you back there in San Francisco, he wouldn't have missed. Uh, no matter, Paladin. It's, it's finished. Come along, Stacy. Not now. Well. <laughs> Very well. Oh, Stacy. Don't bore, Mr. Pallet. You know why I'm not going with him? Because he's hit me for the last time. Hit you? I know how he is when he's been crossed or when things don't go his way. But... but... Don't look so shocked, Mr. Pallet. Surely you know there are men like that. He's rotten. Maybe I'm rotten, too. 
I put up with him because he was rich. But I've had enough. Tonight was too much. Tonight? Oh, you still don't understand, do you? I guess not. Do you remember the man sitting at the table with the gunman? Yes. His name is Shawcross. He's Sid Morgan's business partner. Business partner? But Morgan said that I he didn't... I know. He said he'd never seen him before. They're two of the same kind, those men. Sporting gentlemen. It was a bet. A bet? They'd heard of your reputation with a gun. They knew Gorman was good and could be hired to kill, so they set it up for you to shoot it out and made a wager on the outcome. Morgan lost. You mean this was all set up? Yes. I killed a man to provide an evening's entertainment? Yes. You've been doing things like that for years. And getting away with it. Oh, it's over, Paladin. You might as well forget it. Forget it? They didn't break any law. There's no way to reach them. There never is. Stacy? Morgan! Come down here. Yes? I was very interested in what Miss Neal had to say. Oh. He told you, eh? <laughs> well, you've no complaint, Paladin. You were well paid. Paid for what, Mr. Morgan? To kill a man for a sideshow? Well, I didn't realize you gunmen drew a fine line. Well, right now it might be a pleasure to kill. You're wearing a gun. Why don't you draw... I have no reason to draw against you, Paladin. Now you have a reason. I won't draw, Paladin. I won't give you the excuse to shoot me. There's no way, Paladin, unless you choose to commit a real murder. I spent a long night with no sleep and an anger that kept growing... But finally, I had to face the fact that probably the lady was right. It was over. I should forget it. It was early morning when I stopped at a desk on my way out of the hotel. Uh, yes, sir? Hey, lady, Miss Neal. Has she come down yet? Come down? Oh, yes, sir. All of them did. They left in a buckboard before dawn uh, two, three hours ago. What do you mean, all of them? Well, uh, Lady and Mr. Morgan and Mr. Shawcross. They all left together? Yeah. Lady, poor little thing. Poor little thing? What do you mean? Well, she was crying. I kind of got the notion she'd no cotton to the idea of going alone. Have them bring my horse around. I have some riding to do. Have you ever heard of K-Site Smooth Seal? Why, no. Why, no. Is it new? What does it do? Well, this is off the record. Just between us boys, your automatic transmission, does it ever make a noise? You mean a little kind of grinding? Does that little chatter matter? I hear a very weird whir sometimes. It doesn't sound good, boys, but let's be sure. When you're sitting at the light and it goes to green, you put your foot down hard. Have you ever felt a sort of a jerk, a kind of a jar, or heaven help you, a real thud bump? Oh, I've felt uh, it. Oh, me too. I've had it, stranger. What do we do? Well, don't buy a horse and don't trade your car. Just get yourself some new K-Site 
Caseite Smooth Seal. New Caseite Smooth Seal? New Caseite Smooth Seal. New Caseite Smooth Seal? How will that help? Why, it's made to soften those shrunken seals, which are apt to leak when there's power on the wheels. It stops those thud bumps, jerks, and jars that are apt to creep into these modern cars. Why, this Caseite Smooth Seal in one application can pack them all off on a long vacation, and it's less than $2 at your service station. A little new Caseite Smooth Seal, boy? Come on. I'll go. And if it doesn't work, you get double your money back. I had no trouble picking up the tracks of the buckboard, but my travel was slow. I wasn't quite sure what I was looking for until I found it. And then I realized I'd had a hunch that was correct. She was lying just off the trail. Stacy. Stacy. Here. Here's water for you. Water. Yeah. Now take it easy. Uh, not too much now. Good. This. This was his way of getting even for what I told you. Yes, I realize that. I guess it doesn't matter. I guess I asked for it. Of course it matters. Stacy, you think you can stand up? Yes, I think so. Uh, here, let me help you. A little wobbly, huh? A little wobbly. Where are we going? I'm going to help you on my horse. Then we're going to find Mr. Morgan and Mr. Shawcross. You'll never be able to catch up with no, me. No, not on the trail. But we can cut across the desert and head them off. You feel able to travel? Let's go. It was a hard ride. But when the buckboard came into the turn where the trail leveled off to border a dry lake, we were waiting. Stacy, stay back. Hold it! Well, I mean, what is this? If I fire again, Morgan, it won't be in the air. Now, don't be hasty, Mr. Powell. Yes, Shawcross, I understand. This gun won a bet for you. Gives you some respect for it, huh? All right, get down. A paladin, whatever it get is. Get down. Throw your guns on the ground. Uh, a paladin. Paladin, wait now. You're, you're a smart man. And we have money, paladin. We have lots of money. And so I understand. I'm sure you're a reasonable man. Certainly, but I'm also curious. I'm curious as to just how far your money will go in protecting you. Let us go on to Silver City. You just name a price. Silver City? Yes. Now, I'll show you a shortcut. Oh? Silver City is due east, across this dry lake. Thirty miles, exactly. About a, about a three-day walk. Well, you better get started. Walk? Are you insane? I told you, I'm curious. You left Stacy to take her chances with the desert with no water. Well, but Pelican, You're going to have better odds. I'll give you a canteen. This is murder. Oh, no, 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 no. It's a wager. I made a bet with myself that two men carrying a canteen of water could walk 30 miles across this desert. You can't mean that. Oh, but I do. All right. You're going to force us to do this, Paladin? I am. Very well. In spite of what your intentions might be, we will consider it a challenge, Shawcross. All right. A canteen, Paladin. Here. 
Thank you. Let's just understand this much, Shawcross. We make it to nightfall before taking any water. Yes. The important thing is not to lose our heads. By all means. One thing, Paladin. You'll pay for this. Suppose you get started. Paladin. Yes? It is murder. No. That son will kill them. No, Stacy. They'll destroy themselves. We watched the figures of the men grow small in the distance. Then I tied my horse on behind the buckboard and we started out across the dry lake, driving slowly behind them, keeping them always in sight. Hours passed, and the sun beat down without mercy. And more hours passed. Their plan didn't seem to work. What's that? Saving the water, have you noticed? You can see them passing the canteen back and forth. Yes. Oh, Stacy. I don't belong here. Where? In the judgment seat. Nah, I'm going after them. I thought you would. Come on. Paladin! Paladin, look! Oh, oh, no. Oh, hurry, you've got oh. to stop him. Here you go. Morgan. Morgan. He's dead. Yes. Yes, I killed him. Took two swallows of water. He was only supposed to take one. I killed him with this rock. And I guess you're not beyond the law this time, Morgan. Two swallows. The agreement was one. Come on. The Bickerson. John Bickerson, I can't stand it. What's the matter, Blanche? What's the matter? It's that horrible snoring. Must be that fat guy next door. I'll fix him. Why did you close the window, John? You said the neighbors were snoring. Oh, silly, they're on vacation. And I've been worried they might have car trouble on their trip. She's worried. Before they left, Harry took the car into his GM dealers for guardian maintenance. Right now, they're offering performance service specials just so summer driving will be trouble-free and worry-free. You think guardian maintenance is all right, don't you? All right? Why, it's the best kind of service for the best kind of cars, even at 3 o'clock in the morning. Now, good night, Blanche. We recommend a daytime call on your GM dealer for educated service by trained mechanics using special tools and factory-approved parts. If you own a Chevy, Pontiac, Olds, Buick, or Cadillac, get guardian maintenance. Have Gun, Will Travel. Created by Herb Meadow and Sam Rolfe, is produced and directed in Hollywood by Norman MacDonald and stars John Daner as Paladin with Ben Wright as Hayboy. 
Tonight's story was written by Dennis and Terry Sanders and adapted for radio by Ann Dowd. Featured in the cast were Lawrence Dobkin, Lynn Allen, Barney Phillips, and Vic Perrin. Hugh Douglas speaking. Join us again next week when CBS Radio presents Have Gun, Will Travel. And that's Have Gun, Will Travel with The Wager, starring John Daner from July 29, 1959. Also in the cast, Ben Wright, Virginia Gregg, Lawrence Dobkin, Barney Phillips, Vic Perrin, and Lynn Allen, with participating sponsors as heard over CBS. After this short break, I'll give you our lineup for Episode 3 of Retro Radio Theater. Next time on Episode 3 of Retro Radio Theater, it's two comedy radio episodes, the Jack Benny program and Our Miss Brooks, so don't miss it. Follow us wherever you listen to podcasts or visit us on SeniorResource.com, your number one source for retirement planning, caregiving tips, and living your best. Retro Radio Theater is a copyrighted series produced by yours truly, Carl Amari, for Retro Entertainment. Mike Costella is the executive producer. We invite you to support this podcast by joining the Classic Radio Club. Members receive 10 classic radio shows via digital download or on five CDs each month, along with historical liner notes. Learn more at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. See you next time, and thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families, too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.